This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, giving you the opportunity to get involved and make your community a better place for seniors. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Christine Ross for Libby's Nimer. There's a new trend in gardening that's actually been around for years. And the benefits of owning a dog later in life. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Move over, Ozempic. There's another diabetes drug that's gaining attention for weight loss. Munjaro may even be more powerful than either Ozempic or Wagovi. One major study found that taking the active ingredient in Munjaro led to a sharper reduction in blood sugar levels and greater weight loss than the other drugs. It's currently approved by the Food and Drug Administration to treat only type 2 diabetes, and like Ozempic, it's not a weight loss drug. But there is speculation that the FDA could authorize the medication for weight management very soon. According to new research, older Americans will not only pay more than a younger person for a home loan, they'll also be rejected more for a mortgage as you age. According to the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia, the overall rejection rate is almost 18% and increasing with age across the board with lenders. At age 70, rejection rates accelerate. The Equal Credit Opportunity Act prevents U.S. lenders from rejecting an applicant based on race, color, religion, sex, marital status, and age, but the law does allow lenders to use age as part of the credit scoring system. charge your devices at the airport? Well, you may want to think again. The FBI is warning consumers not to use those free charging stations in airports, hotels, or shopping centers as criminals have figured out ways to use public USB ports to infect devices with malware and monitoring software. The agency is advising consumers to bring their own chargers to public spaces. In 2019, at the age of 98, the late Hazel McCallion was the oldest cover girl on Zoomer magazine. Now, Vogue Philippines has revealed its oldest cover star in its April issue. She's 106-year-old tattoo artist Apo Wong Odd, who lives about 15 hours north of Manila and is considered the country's oldest traditional tattoo artist. Most of her current customers are international visitors, seeking her signature geometric designs that signify strength, bravery, and beauty. At 56, actress Halle Berry is living her best life and showing off her body. But an Instagram post this week got quite a bit of backlash, and Berry is clapping back after some called her nude posts undignified. The actress posted a photo of her standing on her balcony, nude, drinking some wine. But it came under fire with at least one person saying someone Barry's age should be spending time with grandchildren, not living their best life. And yet another said aging with dignity is no longer a thing. Barry pretty much ignored the sexist and ageist naysayers. I'm Christine Ross, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. No dig is a very simple process. Ongoing, it's really easy. Even starting out, I think it's a lot easier than people imagine. 
British gardener Charles Dowding's influence stretches right across the globe, renowned for his gardening method with 40 years' experience. The no-dig approach isn't just saving him time, it costs less. And in this conversation with Libby Zneimer, Charles presents a convincing case for no-dig as not only easy, but more productive. What exactly is involved in the no-dig system? Well, it's about leaving the soil undisturbed as much as you can. Sometimes you need to dig a hole, say, to plant a tree, for example. The second part of it is to feed soil life as much as you can. And in our climate here, which is pretty damp uh, and can easily encourage slugs if you use mulches, covers on the soil which are not decomposed, I favor adding compost. So I make as much compost as I can and just put it on top of the ground because that's how nature does it. You know, it works in nature like that, that all the organic matter lands on top. So the more, I figure the more you can copy nature, the better your results will be. You just have to work out, say, to grow vegetables, there are a few refinements. You know, you don't wander through a forest and find a, a bed of carrots kind of thing. So there is some extra jobs you need to do to grow fantastic harvests. And my, my work has been about combining those two things, maximum respect for the soil and, and what it can do when we leave it alone, then growing top crops. When do you add the compost? What season? Actually, any time. And it's interesting talking to you in in Canada because your winters are obviously different here. And still ongoing, I might add. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, here it's it's often snow-free. So often we're adding compost in November, December, towards the end of autumn when we've just finished taking final harvest. But that's not to say it's the only time you can do it. It's just a convenient time. And I like to do it then because that is feeding soil life through the winter. Um, the soil is often not growing anything there. So it's not, it's, it's bare ground. It's not bare soil because we're putting the mulches on top. And then we're ready to go in the spring because the winter frosts break up any lumps and you, you just rake lightly and you, you're ready to go as soon as there's any warmth, like in March, April. And how do you adapt to growing vegetables? It's about keeping pests down as much as possible. <laughs> so, for example, I, I mentioned slugs, and that's where the compost comes in. It, it, it doesn't give habitat to pests like slugs. And it's also very biologically active and feeds a lot of beneficial organisms in the soil, such as beetles, like ground beetles, which eat slug eggs. So it, it's about, you know, Building your soil in a way that encourages a really strong balance of pest and predator. You never get rid of all the pests, but you, you keep the balance. You're holding the balance points. And then you you just need to work out for your climate, and I've done a lot of work on this, <laughs> best sowing dates, for example, uh, to grow best vegetables. You, you need to understand each vegetable you're, you're growing, and they all have slightly different needs. Um, not nutritional needs, more, more sowing times and looking after them in terms of pest and disease a bit. And and that's it, really. You know, once you've got those basics in place, it becomes so much easier. And I try always try not to complicate things too much. Keep it simple. What should we do here in Canada? Uh, spring, uh, especially where we are in Toronto, is, is uh, very up and down. It can be gorgeous one day and freezing cold the next. Anyone in your area can work out best planting dates and, and understanding... Certain vegetables don't mind frost. So, for example, 
in, I'm sure that at the moment you could be sowing, especially undercover things like onion, spinach, cabbage, calabrese, lettuce, uh, coriander, whereas later, wait until the frost tender vegetables, you know, sow them more towards the end of April, early May. Uh, those kinds of details are important to get right. You don't believe in rotating crops the way many of us have been taught to do. Oh, yeah, I love that question. Well, I don't really, actually, because um, the, the, the thing about crop rotation, actually, if you look at the history of it, certainly in the UK, it comes from 18th century farming, where the Earl of Townsend in Norfolk developed from the medieval three-year rotation, which was wheat, barley, fallow, into a four-year rotation, where he brought in his grass and clover to feed the sheep. And, well, that's all very fine, but actually how much is that relevant to gardening? In, you know, especially in a small garden. I mean, nobody's got sheep, they're growing, and we're not growing grass either. So it, it does also, it's assuming that soil is being cultivated. You know, there's always hidden assumptions in a lot of this so-called old wisdom, which actually often I think is not wise or not in the current modern context. So with no dig in particular, your soil gets so much more healthy that you can... Uh, break a lot of the supposed rules, and yeah, I find that I can. I've got one trial area where I'm now into the, well, just starting the ninth year of growing potatoes in the same ground. And last year was the eighth year, and we had the best crops ever and really healthy plants. And that was from keeping home sow seed as well, which you're not also supposed not to do. Is this a lazy person's way to garden? <laughs> uh, well, you could say that, um, but I think that's a. That's a value-laden word. I would say clever uh, because, yeah, nobody wants to expend time and effort unnecessarily. And actually, you know, things like if you look at when I see what many gardeners are doing with their time, especially after they've done a lot of digging, they spend a lot of time weeding. And with no dig, you reduce the weed burden hugely. And we spend very little time weeding, for example. So, you know, it's not a hugely pleasant job pulling out weeds. And so for me, that's that's being really sparky and, and on it. And it gives you time then to be more creative, which is then fun. That's what gardening should be. Okay. Thank you so much, Charles Dowding. Oh, that you. was British gardener Charles Dowding, who's spreading the word about no-dig gardening. I'm Christine Ross, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, move over, diamonds. Dogs really are a girl's best friend. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, Canada's largest and most influential association fighting for the interests of Canadians as we age. Find out more at carp.ca. After more than 40 years of marriage, Rona Maynard fell in love with another male, and it was all set up by her husband. At 65, Rona let her husband convince her to get their very first pet dog, a rescue mutt named Casey. At a time when older adults look forward to travel and hobbies, a pet can complicate plans. But it didn't take long for Rona to fall in love with Casey, and she's sharing her story in a new book called Starter Dog, My Path to Joy, Belonging, and Loving This World. As I understand it, you were married for 40 years before you ever owned a dog, More than 40 years. More than 40 years. So why now? Well, we could. We finally could. We did not have two demanding jobs that would prevent us from hanging out with our dog. We had had a succession of easy care cats. 
And our son was grown, so we didn't have a kid to romp around with a dog. I actually thought we had missed the best moment. But lo and behold, later life turned out to be a wonderful moment. And I say this as someone who didn't think she wanted a dog. So I'm a dog owner, a dog lover, will always have a dog. I love the benefits of having a dog. But some people will look at us and say, well, you're at an age now where it's tying you down. It's too much of a commitment. Are you grieving the loss of, you know, things like travel or hobbies that you've been looking forward to for so long and having a pet just complicates that? What do you say to those people? Well, it does complicate life. And I certainly said when my husband proposed a dog, how are we going to travel? And he said, use your imagination. We'll take more road trips. It'll be fun. And, you know, it is a lot of fun tooling around North America with a dog in the back seat. And not to mention the health benefits. You have to walk a dog, which means you ultimately are getting exercise that we need. Well, my husband had not been walking. He had been recovering from a knee injury, and I'd been trying to get him out, trying to persuade him to take a walk with me. And he wouldn't walk with me, but he said he would walk with a dog. And I thought, are you kidding me? But you know, that dog got him walking. But I have to be honest, I do see couples around our neighborhood. It's also a chance to reconnect with your partner when you're walking with a dog. A dog is a love machine. People say dogs give unconditional love. I say dogs make you more loving. Um, Every day in the presence of a dog, you're going to laugh at the silly things that the dog does. And the act of being considerate to your dog, of taking care of this dependent, goofy, smaller creature gives you lots of practice in being kinder to each other. So true. Tell me about Casey. Casey is a rescue mutt from Ohio. He was born unwanted, taken to the local shelter, and uh, from there to a men's prison where he got some basic training that was supposed to make him more adoptable. Whoever looked after Casey in the prison did a great job. He is not the best trained dog. He's um, a rambunctious dog. But he's a very affectionate, trusting dog. And dogs have to learn that from their first human love. Do you, do you ever look back now and kind of, not with regret, but think, you know, I was missing out on this for so long? Oh, for sure. My husband said to me just the other day, sometimes I think about all the dogs that we could have had and didn't have. If we had tried a dog at an earlier stage, we would have had to cut back on the time that we spent at the office, and I think that would have been good for us. Rona, what would be your pitch to seniors who are in a position where maybe they would love to have a dog, but maybe are a bit fearful that it is too much of a commitment. From your experience, what would you tell them? Give it a go. You will be amazed at the love that you have to give that you do not even know is there. And this love is 
24-7. It is not just when your grandkids come over. It's when the dog jumps onto the bed with you. It's when the dog sits between you on the TV couch. And they are very adaptable. They There is no such thing as having to take the dog out at a certain time every day. The dog and you are going to find the rhythm that is working for you. And there are some very interesting services for seniors with dogs. There's a wonderful organization called Elder Dog Canada that I urge your listeners to check out. Tell me about that. Well, they have pods, as they call them, P-A-W-D-S, in major cities where volunteers will provide support uh, to seniors who need it. Say you're sick, for example, and you were injured and you can't take the dog out yourself, they will help you. And they will also help you make a plan for your dog if you're worried about leaving an orphan dog. And that is something older people worry about a lot. Mm-hmm. They don't want their dog to end up at the shelter. Rona Maynard, thank you so much for this. Thank you. That was author Rona Maynard. Her book is called Starter Dog, My Path to Joy, Belonging, and Loving This World. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Christine Ross for Libby Zneimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.